Hola, yo soy Natasha Roldán de Colombia y estás escuchando Tracks from Abroad en CIUT 89.5 FM. Quinto, sexto, Julieta, octavo, extra, hotel, quinto, quinto, cuarto, séptimo, sexto, octavo. Todo lo que yo sentí, todo lo que yo viví, de todo lo que presentía, no. Soy Tomás Peña de Ecuador. Hola, soy Deb de Perú. Mi nombre es Patricio del de grupo El Seibo de música folclórica argentina y están escuchando Tracks from Abroad en CIUT 89.5 FM. Yo te soy sincero y no le tengo miedo a la muerte si es que me
Hello, hello, and welcome to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Seth Martosh, and in lieu of our co-host Alex Troxel and Bortek Matthew, who are uh, already off enjoying, enjoying their uh, winter vacations. We <laughs> that's have false. That's false. I think Alex not... has a test today. He's ah, doing an exam. <laughs> Poor cheeky. guy. Yeah. Well, not here, at least. Uh, we have in the studio Tracks from Abroad founder Jesse McDougal. Jesse, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Seth. Thanks for coming in uh, a little bit early. We got some last-minute recording done, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a good show today. So what's it about? Of course. Well, at the top of the hour, you heard a song by Canadian-Colombian artist Lido Pimienta. Recommended the song uh, from my friend Veronica, so shout out to her. And uh, we have today two interviews from Colombians, uh, Canadian-Colombians. First, we speak with Natalia, uh, who's a student here at the University of Toronto, and then later we speak to Natasha Roldan, a Colombian musician here as well. So we're going to start off by asking Natalia a bit about her background as a Canadian-Colombian on Tracks from Abroad. I was raised in Colombia because okay. my family went back when I was like less than two years old. Right. Yeah. So why did right. your family go back? Like 2003-ish. Okay. And then I grew up there and then I graduated high school and then I came back. Why so international? Why going back and forth? Well, like my parents like migrated to Canada and their plan was to stay. But it was like they couldn't really do their jobs here and it was like kind of hard to adapt. So after a while, my mom was like, no, we need to go back. Like family's there. Everyone's there. Mm-hmm. So it was just like I was born here where they were like figuring out if they could stay here. Right. And then we all went back. But then, because I was born here, then I could pay domestic instead of international. Oh, that's how you do it. So, <laughs> I graduated high school and I was like, I didn't even give it a second thought. And uh, what about the weather? Like, how does it compare? It's tropical, right? So, there are no mm-hmm. seasons. So, it's kind of the same throughout the whole year. Oh. The city where I grew up is the capital, is Bogota. So, it's kind of like, because it's quite a bit above sea level, then it's not as hot as you would like picture a tropical country being. It is kind of windy, but it is, I think it's the perfect weather. It's always between like 10 and 25 degrees. Mm. Like it's always... So it doesn't snow? No. I'd never seen snow before I came to Canada. Really? Not even in the mountains like, in Colombia? Yeah, but you would have to climb a mountain to see right, snow. Right, right. <laughs> not from the bottom you would be able yeah. to see. What I love about that though is that like because it like the weather depends more on like your like sea level and like mm-hmm. you know the environment around you, then you can like have a three hour ride look on a car and then have a completely different weather. Right. So what led you to come to U of T compared to other places in Canada? I wanted to go into linguistics. And U of T has a pretty solid linguistics program. And it was also just like, because my parents lived here, like during the early 2000s, right? So they, mm-hmm. they had like family friends and mm-hmm. kind of connections. Right. So, you know, it was like I was 70 and my parents wanted me to like be somewhere where I could call someone if I had an emergency mm-hmm. kind of thing. Now, was that like an easy transition for you to come and like already kind of having a little bit of a support system? Kind of. It was just like I first moved in with family friends mm-hmm. who were really nice people, but they're just like they're family friends. You know, they're the kind of people who change your diapers as a baby and expect you to remember them. And like mm. I didn't. <laughs> like, oh, my God, I remember you and you were this little. It's like, thanks. I I have no idea who you are, but like, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. But they were really nice people. The only problem is I graduated high school in November 2019. And then I moved to Canada and then the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. on March. So then I was just like kind of stranded for a bit so that it wasn't so fun. What was it like 
going to a new place and not being able to socialize easily with other people? For the most part, it was hard. I feel like I had a better time when it was like summer, like more you normalize things, you know, like you remember where it was like being in the middle of the pandemic and it's like the world felt like such a foreign place, but at the same time, you're just like hanging out in your room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even like just being here felt like you said foreign, like it's not like what you feel like home is or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. But yeah, it was like, it was just strange because like, I feel like one of the biggest like shocks that I had when I first arrived here was that the city seems to be like spread out more. I don't Mm. know who's been like, the streets are wider. So then whenever I go back to Colombia, I feel like a little bit taller. You know, I feel like a little (laughs) bit bigger because everything is just like a little bit tighter. So then when I came here and it was a pandemic, so everything was like empty and I would like walk on the streets and everything just seemed like huge. Right. What got you interested in studying linguistics here at U of T? I like languages. Yeah, it was also because I was like, my brothers, I have two older brothers, mm-hmm. and they were like eight and nine years old when we were in Canada. And then like, we went back to Colombia. So like, all the hand-me-downs were in English. Mm-hmm. And like, my brothers refused to watch TV, like with, what's the thing, dub? Like, yeah. Yeah, because I would watch, like, Disney Channel. Like, yeah. I would watch, like, Tusha from here, but they would be, like, translated. And my brothers wouldn't let me translate it because they said the voices of the translators were annoying. Then it was just kind of, like, in my house, it was, like, I was, we would speak Spanish, but the TV would be in <laughs> English. And, like, I also hated sports in my school, but you had to do an elective. So mm-hmm. it was either you do sports or you learn a language. Oh. I did all the languages. Yeah. Right. So what <laughs> other languages can you speak or have you learned? Listen, I can only speak English and Spanish. Uh-huh. There was a time in my life when I was learning English, French, and German at the same time. Wow. It was confusing. It was definitely some decision making. It was like last years of high school, and I was like overachiever kid who was doing like all of the extracurriculars at the same time. Yeah. When you look back on it now, what's your opinion of your brothers forcing you to watch uh, <laughs> cartoons in English? I mean, now I'm thankful for it. Back then, I despised them for it. Because <laughs> also, I remember going to like kindergarten and like all the other kids being like did you see the Hannah Montana episode and me being like yes and they're like what did you think and me being like no I don't remember what I didn't understand what they said like it was just it's such a like weird memory to have but I like still remember those things happening Mm -hmm. you know studying linguistics and speaking more than one language do you find that some of the stuff you learn about you can kind of relate to knowing different languages oh yeah like that's kind of the part of it it's Mm -hmm. just like I had fun learning languages, not just because, like, of the practicality of knowing languages, but it was just because you're just kind of, like, doing your little, like, word games. Like, you're just kind of, like, organizing little sounds into Mm -hmm. patterns, and I like that, and that's what linguistics is. Right. Well, uh, I think that's a good time to take a short music break. Uh, Natalia, can you recommend us a song that you'd like to hear? I've been on, like, my old Shakira music time. Mm. There's this one called, like, Lo Hecho Hecho Está by Shakira. All right, well, we're going to take a listen to some Shakira, and we'll be back on Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM.
noche impaciente pero nada más de la recepción cuando te quejaba la 17 no puede ser nada normal acabar el gema tan mal materia de hombres y todas las partes siempre en repetir mis errores no hay ceguera peor que no querer mirar cuando te guardabas el anillo dentro del bolsillo dejarlo pasar lo hecho está Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm Alex, I'm here with my co-host Seth, and today we're talking to Natalia. Now, Natalia, before we went to the music break, you told us that you have strong, controversial opinions on Shakira. I don't have strong, controversial opinions on Shakira. I just have mixed feelings about her right oh, okay. now. Because here's the thing. My mother is the biggest Shakira fan that this world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. But because I grew up listening to Shakira, so I've like definitely seen how she changed as an artist from when mm. I was little to like now. And especially when she started like targeting to like more like American audiences and started making music in English mm. and all that stuff. Is that something that you think a lot of Colombians picked up on? It definitely is like a recognition of accomplishment when they become successful like outside, like especially in like North America. Mm-hmm. Just because like growing up in Latin America, you do grow up with a lot of like North American media. And like in school, you have to learn English. It's like in our graduation test, like there's a section that is just like speaking English. So yeah, it has like a lot of, I don't know what the word is, just kind of like a lead to it that people would like become successful in North America. Right. So would people see Shakira becoming more North American in her music as like a sign of accomplishment more than like Yeah, a sign but of then betrayal? it's just like the music just kept getting worse. It right. was just like, she was just like also, selling out almost, eh? I don't know if I would say like she was settling out. I definitely think that like as an, artist especially like as a female artist you do have to like change a lot as you see like audiences changing Mm -hmm. so it's like i wouldn't be like oh she's terrible because she like started targeting more people but i miss the 90s shakira i miss pies descalzos era she had such good music at the time right i'm curious just because you mentioned studying linguistics is there much of a divide between 
how Spanish is spoken in Latin America and how it's spoken in Spain? Yes. Yes. How, how is that? <laughs> what's, what are the main differences? It's like comparing like Canadian English with British English. It's just a completely different experience. Like the way they do S's is different and like the words they use. It's just like a lot of things, especially like it's not even just like the difference between like Spanish from Spain and Spanish from Latin America, but there's like so many varieties of Spanish in Latin America. And like I especially realized that after moving to Canada because a lot of my friends are Latinos, right? But they're like from different parts of Latin America. Right. And yeah, sometimes I have friends and they're speaking to me in Spanish and I'm like, yo, can you translate that? Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you been involved like at the school with Olas at all or like... Like, I'm technically not a member of Oles, mm. but my friend group is Oles. So I, like, go to the events. I go dance some salsa. I yeah. go eat some food from home and their events. What's the coolest or most interesting thing you've learned about other Latin American countries that you didn't know before meeting all these different people? Food is the answer. So much food. I, like, because I know my typical food. And, like, I love Colombian food. Colombian food is really, really good. And, like, everyone's had Mexican food at one point or another because, like, it's just so widespread. But, like, I found, like, a lot of, like, my friends showed me a lot of food that I had, like, kind of heard of but, like, hadn't actually eaten. And it's just, like... Like, I don't know, people expect you to, like, if they tell you they're giving you Latin American food, then you have, like, one definition for it, and then mm. it's just going to be that exciting. But it's just, like, it has that same sense of, like, there's so much diversity, there's mm-hmm. so much variety to it. And what are some of the staple Colombian dishes that you enjoy the most? I enjoy those. I really want me an ajiaco these days. It's a soup made out of, like, different types of potatoes, and it's kind of, like, creamy. Mm. I also desperately want an arepa. Or an empanada. You guys know empanadas. Sure. Arepas, I've had, I've had, I think, some more Venezuelan from Venezuela. How dare then. you? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what's like the oh, this divide. Is, this is a Who big fight. <laughs> this is you just walked into like a decades of discussion no, and fighting. Because okay, here's the thing: Venezuela and Colombia used to be the same country, right? Okay. It was something like Gran Colombia, and then it got divided, and you know history happens geography divides and they have a specific type of arepa. Mm-hmm. We have many types of arepas. We have like. 20-something types of arepas, depending on the region of Colombia. So there's, like, the more salty ones, there's the more sweet ones. At the end of the day, it's kind of like a corn, cheesy pancake situation. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, many, many ways of doing that. What I've seen Venezuelans do mostly is that they have, like, the thinner version of the arepa, and then they, like, open it up and put, like, food inside. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, you mentioned earlier how the sort of debate over music and its sexualization, you think there's a lot of, like, a big class background to that. Do you think... Classism and class conflict is something that's a big part of Colombian culture or history. I mean, sadly, yes, I think so. Especially because I grew up in Bogota, so it's like a big crowded city. So you can kind of like very much see like I went to like private school and they were like gated communities and all of this stuff. Mm. And you can see like the city's organization be divided and just just like it's kind of a weird thing to talk about because it's very like, guys, I swear Colombia is so cool. But Mm. (laughs) like I've definitely seen that like class division. It definitely like that's why I like started fighting back against that whole thing of people being against against like like thought as being like vulgar and stuff like that because it's like the environment where I like grew up I went to private school in Bogota so I've made some really really good friends in that school but I also went to the kind of school where kids would be like do you know who my parents are which is ugh, so annoying do you have any classic 80s uh Colombian rock that you can uh, recommend for us Oh my god, play Mil Horas. I love that song. I don't know if I would put it as rock, but I think it's such a good song. Mil Horas by Andres Calamaro. We're going to have a listen to Mil Horas by Andres Calamaro. And uh, we'll be back with some more chat on Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. And 
hace frío y estoy lejos de casa Hace tiempo que estoy sentado sobre esta piedra Yo me pregunto para qué sirven las guerras Tengo un cohete en el pantalón Vos estás tan fría como la nieve a mi alrededor Vos estás tan blanca que yo no sé qué hacer En la otra noche te esperé bajo la lluvia dos horas Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIET 89.5 FM. I'm Alex with my co-host Seth, and today we're talking to Natalia. Uh, Natalia, I'm curious, are there any stereotypes of Colombians that you want to dispel while you're on air here? I don't know. I get asked about Gloria from Mother and Family a lot. It's a weird conversation to have where it's like, no, you know, I mean, I won't like stand and say, especially because I grew up in Bogota, I understand that like, I can't be like, oh yeah, the city I grew up in was so safe. But like also some of the stereotypes you hear are crazy. Like, okay, Encanto was such a blessing in my life because media representation of Colombia tends to be like before Encanto, it used to be just like narcos. Mm -hmm. And it was very like, people ask me about Pablo Escobar. And it's just, that is a horrible question to ask yeah. of a Colombian. <laughs> People try to act like the whole war against, like, drugs and violence was, like, this very, like, 
historical past thing. And it's like, no, love, that happened in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So when you're asking a Colombian about Pablo Escobar, you're you're asking a Colombian about something that happened 20 years ago, about something that happened to their parents, about something that happened to their aunts and uncles. Yeah, and like still would affect, you know, their lives. And still like very much has consequences in like the way we live in like life right now, you know? So it's like, I hate it when people relate it either to drugs or to Pablo Escobar or to anything that has to do with narcos. What do you think is the good representation? You mentioned Encanto. What would you say about that? It's essentially about this magical house and the grandmother of the family was in one of the small towns in Colombia during the Civil War. And like, this is actually based on like accurate historical facts. Like people in like small towns, because most of the Civil War in Colombia was about territory and about essentially farmers not owning their land and taking it by force by taking over like small towns and essentially just a lot of violence, a lot of kicking people mm-hmm. out of their homes, a lot of like stuff like that. But I think it's a beautiful way of representing like the Colombian conflict because it's very much like talking about intergenerational trauma, but right. like in such a like beautiful Disney way. And it's just like at the beginning of the movie, you get the recount of like Abuelita's story and you see them like go through all of this like beautiful landscapes like they go through the rainbow cascades mm-hmm. which is like a thing it's Caño Cristales it's like a part of Colombia where like light like kind of shines over this like little lake that goes like down after a cascade and so it like reflects into like rainbow colors and it's like pink during the day and there's stuff like that but yeah I also what I love about Encanto the most is that it has so many references to A Hundred Years of Solitude by Garcia Marquez. What is that? Gabriel Garcia Marquez is a Nobel Prize winning like author mm. and he wrote A Hundred Years of Solitude which is essentially about Colombian history and it is my favorite book. It's about this like small town also that is like a town that doesn't exist and it just kind of like represents a lot of small towns in Colombia doing like all of the civil war conflict and how they were kind of like abandoned but like it's also so much about community and it represents it in such a beautiful way and there's a lot of like representation of like little yellow butterflies that like follow certain characters when they walk in and that's why you see so many little yellow butterflies in Encanto Mm. and that's just like ugh. So what would you say is the main difference between representation like Narcos and representation like Encanto and 100 Years of Solitude? What makes one of those like positive and the other one negative? You have to recognize the beautiful parts of the culture before you start bringing in the conflict, you know? It's just like you can't reduce the Latino identity, you can't reduce the Colombian identity to someone who has survived a drug war. Because that's not who we are. There's just this like really amazing sense of community that comes with being Latino. And that's why I feel like I found so many like friends that I made so easily here just by the fact that they were Latinos and immediately we were like, come here. Mm There's this warmth to people. Like, you walk in the street and people, like, talk to you. There's just, like, it's a lot more about community rather than individualism. When you create spaces like olas and, like, stuff like that where Mm -hmm. people can, like, be brought together through, like, food or, like, music or just things like that. It's just, like, it's so important to remember, like, the parts of your culture that bring you joy. And that, like, helps you connect with other people and, like, helps you, like, understand each other through something other than, like, actual, like, explicit discussions about how you feel, you know? Yeah. In terms of, like, stereotypes and things, I'm curious also, like, about football. Like, I'm a big... I'm a big football fan. Yay. I know you said you didn't like the sports as much when you were in school, but but I'm curious about it. Here's the thing. I wasn't a sports fan. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, but... But Jesus, the football culture in Colombia is insane. It's actually crazy. I didn't realize how crazy it was until I left. If Colombia is playing in the World Cup, 
you walk on the street and it looks yellow. Absolutely everyone wearing the shirt. Yeah. The team's like shirt, it's yellow. That Like you generally walk in the streets and everyone's walking. And, it's like yeah. wearing yellow, even like wearing it to work. You would literally like go to the like, government offices and yeah. they're playing it like in the radio and everyone's paying attention yeah. or like they have a TV like, like so people can watch it. Or like I remember my mom and I used to do this thing where whenever there was a really big game because like I wasn't really that interested in sports mm -hmm. growing up and my mom was like also not. So then we would like, like leave as the match was happening in like the streets yeah empty really? so empty no traffic everyone yeah. who was there had to be there and you could tell like it was just we would go to the mall and it was like the parts of the mall that had the screens were full and then mm -hmm. the other parts were empty it's crazy so do you miss that culture or are you glad being away from it I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> listen yeah. I used to think it was the most annoying thing in the world and then I left, and then now I, like, miss it. It's just those kind of things that, like, when you're a cranky teenager are mm. not so cool, and then you look back and it's like, that is an insane thing to be a part of. But people get so, like, excited when the team wins, and it's just, like, the city, you can see, like, how different it is. You know, like, when people talk about the change between, like, winter and summer and, like, seeing people in the city? I feel like you experience that and that when you, like see like the team won and suddenly everyone feels like like you walk in the streets like and they seem alive <laughs> yeah so it's so much fun that was natalia speaking about columbia's love for football we want to thank natalia for coming on the show and upcoming we have a song by katronada featuring colombian american artist cali uchis
Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Seth Martosh, and again, I'm here with the ghost of Alex Troxel and Jesse behind the board. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to CIUT tonight. Uh, as I mentioned before we heard that song, that was uh, Kate Trinata, a Montreal-born and raised DJ with Colombian-American artist Caliuchis. And later in the episode after this, we're going to hear from Canadian Colombian artist Natasha Roldan, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her new EP, Ya No Estoy Aquí. And that's about it. I think this is it the song called Ya No Estoy, or is that the title track? That's the name of the EP as well okay, as both, the title both, track. Okay, both, both, both. So that means it's important. It's a, it's an right. important song, huh? And you were telling me a bit what about what that means in Spanish. You, you're the resident Spanish speaker, <laughs> not me. Yeah, I'm working on my Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> so ya no estoy aquí. I'm no longer here. And it's also the title of a Mexican film that I saw last year for a class at U of T. Interesting. So I'm excited for the song. Well, awesome. We're gonna uh, listen to the interview with Natasha and then hear some tracks from her EP. So. That's what we're going to be up to on Tracks from Abroad on CAUT 89.5 FM. I was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia, and I've been in Canada for more than 10 years now. And what caused you to come to Canada? Just I wanted to study. So I studied music production and then uh, music and yeah. What drew you to music? I think it was always there since I was a kid. Since I remember, I always sang. So it was just part of my life. Although my family was not musical at all and music education was not a thing. So it was not something that they considered. I actually learned music when I was already graduated high school and it was like late because when I wanted to study, everyone around me already knew music and I had never studied music before. Right. And so catching up, at least to me, was very difficult, but it is something that I love. So <laughs> did that drive you at all? Kind of having that, you know, being on the back foot? To... Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I think when you're surrounded by people who know more than you and you definitely want to step up. So, yeah, that's definitely something that motivates me. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those traditional elements of specifically Colombian music? Sure, yes. So, for example, I recently uh, released an album and I incorporated some of those. So there is different, um, I guess, genres or rhythms. One of them is cumbia, which is more uh, drums-based. It's It obviously comes from African tradition. You know, like in Colombia, we are a mixture of African, indigenous, and Spanish. All of these cultures combined when colonization happened and that sounded beautiful but it wasn't beautiful <laughs> we pretty much colombians were born from that and that is the richness of our culture uh, we also have pasillos and bambucos which are some genres that are more from the area that i was born in and i guess the andes region where the mountains are mm. so those are more influenced by like nylon string guitar instruments and they are things that you can dance to there's specific dances to them yeah it's pretty wide would you say also that dancing has a big importance in culture where you come from? 100%, mm -hmm. yes. You have to dance. Colombians dance all the time, even though I'm not the greatest dancer. Mm -hmm. But yes, dancing is very important. It's completely tied to the music making. So the dancing and the music making, they go hand in hand. What's it like working through the government instead of through production companies or something like that? Is it a different sort of relationship? 
Well, I don't have experience working with any production company. I guess being an independent artist, you have to look for resources everywhere because mm. honestly, having a career in music is, I guess, 99% investment and like 1% return. So making music is expensive and it's difficult and you really need a lot of resources. So thankfully, Canada has one of the best, I guess, granting systems. Not all, not a lot of countries mm -hmm. have them. And so it is very competitive. I know that when I applied for that grant, it was around like 400 applications and they wow. only choose about 50 or less mm. projects. So it is very competitive. Canadians in general are very, very talented. So, you know, you're competing against amazing projects and musicians that are putting out their music. And it is always a huge deal to get a grant yeah. because it is very competitive. So this record that I specifically did right now has a lot of social history behind it. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, it was easier to connect that. Like, why am I doing this? Because I'm telling stories about the migrants. I'm telling stories about the Colombian conflict. So I guess it was easier to explain it like that. But I kept thinking, like, when I have written songs about love and about, you know, like something that's not that social or like political, mm -hmm. like, how am I going to describe this? Obviously, it's because it's born from my heart and it's my expression. But justifying that in a grant application is very difficult it's like oh yeah love is very important because <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. you just so want to say yeah. exactly and you just want to say like obviously i'm doing music because this is my passion this yeah. is my profession and i want to do it professionally right but i find it easier to explain when obviously there's a story behind it that is political and it's a difficult one versus when i was writing like other types of lyrics that were not you know like they were just like daily life stories yeah. right mm -hmm. it is difficult yeah mm -hmm. can you further go into a little bit of those mm -hmm. themes like you said uh, about migration revolution like the colombian conflict can mm -hmm. you kind of elaborate on some of those themes for us sure so the record has seven songs so the first three songs on the record talk about migration and basically the process of going somewhere else i know obviously people talk about yes i'm going to an another country and it's all fun mm. and like new experiences but I don't think people realize that there's a lot of people that come to other countries that didn't necessarily want it to leave home. They are here because back home was very difficult, mm -hmm. whether it is for the war or for a financial instability or, you know, like any type of thing that led them to walk away from home and, and find life in another country. I don't think people realize how hard it is for a lot of people. So I wrote about that. I wrote about the struggles, the difficulty, how you lose yourself in the process of migrating because you're getting used to a new language. There's a lot of barriers, lots of difficulties and how you miss home. And if you're able to go back home also, home is not the same anymore. And so I talked a lot about those stories. And then regarding the Colombian conflict, I wrote two songs that are specifically based on real stories about in Colombia, we've had a conflict for more than 60 years, there is no generation that has lived in peace. So in one of them, I talk about people that have been displaced by this violence. And then in the other one, I talk about forgiveness, forgiveness, which is something that to me is very hard to conceive when so much harm has been done to people. And it talks about the forgiveness process between the mothers of children that were taken by the guerrillas and they were made to I guess, be part of the guerrillas and fight, specifically that guerrilla, which is the FARC guerrilla. 
they no longer exist as a guerrilla because there was a peace process. And so within this peace process, basically some of them were able to talk to the victims. And it is this story about the mothers talking to these former guerrilla member, asking them, where are my kids? I am going to forgive you and I offer my forgiveness if you please tell me where my kids are because obviously these kids disappeared, right? So I felt like I needed to tell those stories. More people need to know about them. And it's not only about telling the story, is my to honor the victims of the people in my country that I dearly love and respect and support their struggle. Is there a specific song from your album that we can play that you'd like to share with us? Sure, I think we can do Ya No Estoy Aquí, which translates to I'm No Longer Here. And that is basically a general story about migration and how hard it is for people to migrate.
Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm here with co-host Alex and Natasha from Colombia. Natasha, I wanted to ask you also a little bit about the project you had shared called Songs to Travel the World with your collaborator. Can you tell us a little bit about where that project came from and you know where you've been performing these types of songs? So that project started a long time ago, and it was because we wanted to share just songs that we liked. So we liked many, many different songs from different places, a lot of Brazilian songs, some boleros and things from France. I'm trying to remember because we haven't played in a while, Mm -hmm. but we just loved songs specifically. And so we chose songs that were beautiful to us, and we just wanted to share them. And we performed in, you know, like downtown Toronto, different bars and places and house concerts as well, like private shows. But yeah, it was mostly about playing that type of music. And I also wanted to, you know, like sing more in Portuguese because Mm. I really love Brazilian music. And I also sang some songs in French terrible French but <laughs> I love them <laughs> uh, I remember there was yeah oh yeah 100% I think you know languages are there for you to learn right mm-hmm. and you can learn more about the culture by learning about the music and the language and mm-hmm. what the music says right yeah I remember there was a song that I used to sing in Catala which is one of the languages they have in Spain mm-hmm. so yeah things like that it was more like a fun thing right. that uh, we wanted to perform and explore so the, mostly the like music. covers did you put your own spin on the songs at all or yeah of course mm-hmm. yeah so we did a lot of covers and our own versions of them but we also wrote some music for that here and there it wasn't a lot But yeah, it was mostly a performance project. We did not record anything. And performing at all these different places in downtown and Toronto, where have been some of the places that, you know, you felt the warmest reception or that you've liked uh, performing at the most? I really like house concerts. Okay. Because bars bars are good. They are okay, I think. Like, for example, drum Mm -hmm. is pretty fun. It was great playing there. But house concerts have that intimate setting where you can actually talk to people and tell them stories about the music that you're playing. And people are receptive because they've specifically gone there to see you and to see the show versus you know like the general bar where people are there there's live music it's fun but people are Mm -hmm. not necessarily there to always listen to the music yeah there used to be a great venue that i loved very much that was called musidium and it was located inside gallery 401 it no longer exists hopefully they bring it back but it was that it was like super tiny and yeah very intimate and you could talk to the audience right there and the room was full of instruments from all over the world like hanging on of the walls it was very beautiful so hopefully they bring it back yeah you mentioned sort of your your music has evolved a lot since your first EP, which was mm-hmm. not something that you really thought of as your sound. Do you see your music continuing to change? Where do you think it's going to go in the future? Are there new sounds that you're looking to draw inspiration from? Absolutely. I don't think I could capture anything in seven songs. Yeah, <laughs> It was just like, I have a lot of songs that are written and there's so many things that I would like to explore in terms of sound. I don't know where it's going, but I guess it's just like, we'll see when we have fun trying to arrange those songs. Yeah, you right. never know. I honestly, like these records specifically, I had no idea where it was going at the beginning. The songs kind of like tell you also where, where you should take them. But there's a combination, like every song on the record is very, very different and I feel like a lot of influences came in there also the elements that we had to use for example I needed for a couple of the songs I needed an instrument that's called a tambora which is a drum traditional from Colombia and I couldn't find one here 
And so I ended up using a Korean drum mm. that had a similar sound, very different structure, but similar sound. So those are the things like you never know that those things change your sound. So but you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I guess that can be one advantage of having a quote unquote good world music scene mm -hmm. in a city is yeah. that you, you have access to a lot of different instruments from different places. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit also about the album art for your EP. It's a beautiful picture and cover. You know, who made it and what does it represent to you? Yes, so that was a great collaboration that I did with another Colombian artist. So she goes by the name La Pupila. I think her Instagram is at La Pupila 999. So she's Colombian and she does tattoos. She's a tattoo mm. artist, but she also does, uh, I guess, murals and like other types of, of media. And I met her through one group of women that we have a group of Latin American women that we get together. And I met her there and I basically told her, okay, I'm doing this record. I would love for you to make the art. So there is the cover art, but also each song has a specific illustration. You can see them on Spotify and I will be sharing them on my social media little by little. But basically I just told her, okay, these are the lyrics of the songs. We hadn't recorded anything yet. So I want you to go off the lyrics and interpret them however you think. And that's what she did. And so I, I trusted her because she's amazing. So... Yeah, if you can recommend another one of your songs that you think we should play, that would be amazing. Sure. Maybe Trenzas, which is a very personal song. And it basically talks about, you know, like losing yourself in the process of a lot of change and wanting to go back to your safe place, which in the song and in my case was going back to my mom braiding my hair. Well, we're going to have a listen to Trenzas from Natasha's latest LP. This has been Tracks from Abroad on CIET 89.5 FM. We want to thank you again for coming on the program. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing the music and uh, music from all over the world. Mm -hmm. It is great that people are exposed to all kinds of music. So thank you.
Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. And that wraps up our episode on Columbia and also happens to be our last live episode of the year. Upcoming, we have next week a highlight episode where we play some of the best interviews and clips from our ninth season, as well as on New Year's Day, an episode which shows some of the behind the scenes and gets to know a little bit about the team that makes Tracks from Abroad possible. This includes directors Jesse and Elgibeta, uh, editors Simon and Rosa, social media managers Akshida and Isabella, as well as board tech Matthew, and a little bit with uh, co-hosts myself, Seth, and Alex. To play us out today, we're going to play a song featuring Taishi, who is also of Canadian-Colombian descent, and we wish you a good evening on Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. Smile.